Hi, I'm Allie, and welcome everyone to All Things Psychology. Thank you so much for tuning in. In this podcast, we're going to dive deep into the topic of psychology. We will discuss its history and how it evolved into the discipline we know today. We will cover famous pioneers of psychology and their contributions to the field, as well as major topics in modern psychology and contemporary research. If you're interested in getting a better understanding of what psychology is and does and how it came to be, then stay tuned. This week, we will take a closer look at ancient Indian philosophy, which mainly consists of Hindu philosophy. We will touch on many different schools of thoughts of Hindu philosophies, which are all very similar to each other in a lot of ways, but differ in other, sometimes very profound ways. I wanted to get into Hindu philosophy because it includes so many important ideas about the human mind and how the world works, and I think it just adds a layer of knowledge to this podcast and how our ancestors answered some very psychological questions. There is a lot going on with Hindu philosophy, and honestly, you could make a whole podcast just about different schools of thoughts. This is why I decided to split this episode up into two parts. The first part, today's episode, will cover the Ostika traditions, and the second part, next week's episode, will cover the Gnostica traditions. There's still a lot we're going to cover today, so let's get started. philosophy can be roughly divided into orthodox and heterodox traditions. The orthodox traditions, also called Astika, consider the Vedas as a true source of knowledge and accept them as authority. The heterodox traditions, called Nastika, reject the Vedas. The Vedas are the oldest Hindu scriptures. Besides the Astika and the Nastika philosophies, there are also other schools of thought, which combine aspects of Astika and Nastika philosophies and have introduced new ideas on their own. In Hindu philosophy, epistemology or theory of knowledge is called Pramana. It discusses how correct knowledge can be acquired and how someone does or doesn't know. There are six pramanas which are considered as correct means of knowledge and truth. 1. Direct perception. 2. Inference or indirect perception. 3. Comparison and analogy. 4. Postulation, derivation from circumstances. 5. Non-perception, absence of proof. And 6. Word. Testimony of past or present reliable experts. Most schools only acknowledge some of the six pramanas as means of knowledge, seldom all of them. So let's get started with the Asaka traditions. some six astika or orthodox schools of thought. Samkhya, Yoga, Nyaya, Vaisheshika, 
Mimamsa, and Vedanta. I will now explain them all in turn. Samkhya is the oldest Asika school. It only considers three of the six brahmanas as reliable means of gaining knowledge. These are direct perception, inference, and testimony of reliable experts. It is a dualistic philosophy that regards reality as consisting of two principles. Purusha, which means consciousness, and prakriti, which means nature, matter, or cognition, mind, and emotions. Samkhya does not assume the existence of one or multiple gods because Purusha and Prakriti alone sufficiently explain the universe. I'm quoting from Britannica, The Purusha is ubiquitous, all-conscious, all-pervasive, motionless, unchangeable, immaterial, and without desire. Prakriti is the universal and subtle nature that is determined only by time and space. In the Samkhya school, it is believed that there are two bodies, a temporal body and a body of subtle matter. The body of subtle matter lives on when the temporal body dies and migrates to another temporal body. It consists of four higher functions, buddhi or consciousness, ahamkara or eye consciousness, manas or mind as coordinator of sense impressions, and prana, which means breath. The ahamkara is further divided into five gross elements, five fine elements, five organs of perception, five organs of activity, and the mind. The five gross elements are space, air, fire, water, and earth. The five fine elements are sight, sound, touch, taste, and smell. The five organs of perceptions correspond to the fine elements and consist of the sense organs that can see, hear, touch, taste, and smell. The five organs of activity are the organs with which someone can speak, grasp, move, evacuate, and procreate. The prakriti consists of three primal qualities of matter, which are called gunas, but they also have corresponding personality types. The gunas are called tamas, rajas, and sattva. Tamas means darkness, destructive, or chaotic. It encompasses obscurity, ignorance, and inertia, and represents the personality type of the ignorant and lazy person. Rajas means passion, active, or confused, and comprises energy, emotion, and expansiveness. It corresponds to the personality type of the impulsive and passionate person. Sattva means goodness, constructive, or harmonious. It encompasses illumination, enlightenment, lightness, and knowledge and corresponds to the personality type of the enlightened and serene person. The yoga school closely aligns with the dualistic view of the Samkhya school. Like the Samkhya school, the yoga school relies on the same three pramanas as a means of knowledge as the Samkhya school. Direct perception, inference, and testimony of reliable experts. It also conceptualizes the universe as consisting of purusha and prakriti. It is, however, considered a theistic school because it accepts the concept of a personal god. The yoga school is characterized by dualism. 
Not only consciousness and matter are seen as separable, but also the self or the soul and a body are considered to be separate from each other. In the yoga school, the three gunas, which can be translated as innate tendencies or qualities, are present in varying proportions in all beings, instead of corresponding to distinct personality types, as in the Samkhya tradition. The fundamental nature and psychological dispositions of beings are a result of the relative relationship of the three gunas. When sattva guna predominates in an individual, the qualities of clarity, wisdom, constructiveness, harmony, and peacefulness manifest. When rajas predominates, attachment, craving, passionate activity, and restlessness manifest. When tamas predominates in an individual, ignorance, delusion, destructive behavior, lethargy, and suffering manifest. Purusha is inherently constructive, while prakriti is inherently chaotic. As life progresses and the spudi is agitated, it creates ego. When the ego in turn is agitated by life, manas, or temperament, temper or mood is created. Together, buddhi, ahamkara, and manas work together to form the mind. The yoga school believes that ignorance is the source of suffering in samsara. When this ignorance is removed, liberation can be achieved. This is possible through discriminative discernment, knowledge, and self-awareness. Samadhi is a state in which ecstatic awareness develops, say the yoga scholars, and thus begins the process of becoming aware of purusha and the true self. Further, it is asserted that this awareness is eternal, and once this awareness is attained, a person can never cease to be aware. This is moksha, the soteriological goal in Hinduism. All the limbs of yoga are the necessary foundation to reach the state of self-awareness, freedom, and liberation. All the limbs of yoga are the necessary foundation to reach the state of self-awareness, freedom, and liberation. The last three limbs of yoga are called sanyama and are the technique for the discerning principle and the mastery of sita and self-knowledge. This discerning principle then enables one to perfect tranquility and reason in one's mind and soul through mindfulness. This leads to the ability to discern the difference between word, meaning, and understanding, and this ability enables one to compassionately understand the language of all living beings. When a yogi reaches the state of sanyama, it leads to unusual powers, intuition, self-knowledge, freedoms, and kaivalya, the yoga's soteriological goal. The first five limbs of yoga lead to physical perfections, such as beauty, loveliness, strength, and toughness. While the last three limbs lead, through sanyama, to mental and psychological perfections of perceptiveness, one's nature, mastery of egoism, discriminating knowledge of purity, the self, and the soul. This knowledge, once attained, is irreversible. The ethics of the yogi school is a theory of values through the observances of positive values and avoidance of negative, as well as an aesthetic theory of bliss, from intrinsic and extrinsic perspectives. The values to be observed are called niyamas, while those to be avoided are referred to the yamas in yoga philosophy. The five yamas are non-violence or non-harming other living beings, truthfulness or non-falsehood, non-stealing, celibacy or non-cheating on one's partner, and non-avarice, non-possessiveness. The virtue of non-violence and non-harming others leads to the renunciation of hostility, a state that leads the yogi to the perfection of inner and outer amity with everyone and everything.
the niyamas part of theory of values in the yoga school include virtuous habits, behaviors, and observances. Yoga Sutra lists the niyamas as 1. Purity, clearness of mind, speech, and body. 2. Contentment, acceptance of others, acceptance of one's circumstances as they are in order to get past or change them, optimism for self. 3. Persistence, perseverance, austerity. 4. Study of Vedas, study of self, self-reflection, introspection of self's thoughts, speeches, and actions. And 5. Contemplation of the Ishvara, also called God, Supreme Being, Brahman, True Self, Unchanging Reality. The virtue of contentment and acceptance of others as they are leads to the state where inner sources of joy matter most and a craving for external sources of pleasant ceases. The Nyaya school developed a theory of logic, a methodology, and several treatises on epistemology with which it made major contributions to Indian philosophy. It accepts four of the pramanas, perception, inference, comparison and analogy, and testimony of reliable experts. According to the Nyaya school, human suffering results from mistakes made by having wrong knowledge, which includes ignorance and delusions. Liberation, on the other hand, can be achieved by having right knowledge, which is gained by discovering and overcoming wrong knowledge and by understanding the true nature of the soul, the self, and the reality. The Vaisheshtika school is a naturalistic, atomistic philosophy. With its idea that everything in the universe consists of paramanu, or atoms, it closely resembles the atomists in ancient Greek philosophy. Reality is composed of the four substances earth, water, air, and fire, and each of those substances are of an atomic type and of a composite type. An atom is indestructible and indivisible. A composite, however, can be divided into atoms. Human experience results from the interplay of the atom's functions, their substance, quality, activity, commonality, particularity, and adherence, or inseparable connectedness to everything. Only by understanding this experience can one gain knowledge and liberation. The Vaisheshtika school only accepts two pramanas, perception and inference. The school has several subschools which accept different pramanas. It unifies theistic and atheistic doctrines, but Haraskar has no interest in examining the existence of God. The self is an eternal, omnipresent, inherently active spiritual essence. It considered the Vedas as eternal and infallible and of primary importance, the Upanishads, however, of secondary importance. The Mimasakas thought that the purpose of language was to prescribe the proper, correct, and right. Mimamsa gave rise to philology and philosophy of language.
The Vedanta school is the best known Hindu school. Depending on a sub-school, it accepted five or all six of the pramanas. It emphasizes meditation, self-discipline, self-knowledge, and abstract spirituality. Several sub-schools have emerged from the Vedanta school. I will briefly summarize each of those sub-schools. Advaita is the oldest and most widely acknowledged Vedantic sub-school. It can be translated to something like unity. Its name really concisely summarizes what the belief in Advaita is, because it believes in a spiritual and universal monism, which means that all reality is interconnected oneness. It further believes that all reality is Brahman, and there is nothing else in the universe except for Brahman. It represents the concept of Maya and Atman. Maya means that reality is constantly changing and illusory. The concept of Atman means that Atman is the same as Brahman and is reflected within each living being. And since Brahman is everywhere and everything, all living beings are one and interconnected. The causes of suffering are ignorance, dualities, and misunderstanding of Maya as a spiritual reality. Through self-knowledge and the understanding that everything is interconnected, a person can liberate themselves. Vishishtadvaita, contrary to Advaita, don't see Brahman as an impersonal, empty oneness, but as an eternal oneness and the source of all creation. Brahman is omnipresent and actively involved in existence. Subject-object perception is an illusion and a sign of, sign of ignorance. The sense of self is derived from Brahman and therefore not a complete illusion. Dvaita is a theistic sub-school of Vedanta and has a dualistic worldview in that it believes that God and the individual selves of Atman are distinct from one another. God is an eternal entity that governs and controls the universe. Only through God can a person achieve salvation. According to Dvaita Dvaita, there are three distinct categories of existence, the Brahman, the Self, and Matter. The Self and Matter differ from the Brahman in their attributes and capacities. Self and matter are dependent on each other, whereas Brahman exists independently. Brahman controls, self enjoys, and matter is the enjoyed. Suddhadvaita believes that Brahman created the world without external agency and manifests itself through the world. At some point, it desired to become more than one and so become many individual selves. Brahman is the whole and each individual is a part in this whole. The physical material world is illusory. Asintya Beda Abeda states that the energy of God and God itself are at the same time distinct and not distinct from one another. Now we are at the end of the episode on the Asika traditions of Hindu philosophy. It certainly was a lot today, and I hope I didn't lose you along the way. Next week, we will have a look on the Nastika traditions and how they differ or are similar to the Astika traditions. If you liked this episode, it would mean a lot to me if you left a review and subscribed to never miss an episode. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram at allthingspsychology underscore podcast to join in on the conversation and to get some accompanying material to each episode. Thanks so much for listening. Stay curious, stay healthy. And see you next time. Bye.